computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello, Tim. Good to see you. Tom's been watching me talk uh, while we set the Zoom up for the past couple minutes. That one was not fun. Uh, no, fun's not a word that I would use. This I came back from vacation for this. <laughs> like, thank you for everyone for being you know patient with us not having a pod for a while. I like literally moved homes and then went on vacation, and now I'm back, and and this is what I came back to. So not not very pleased. No, it's pretty bad. It's all bad. You could say. And Tim, I was just about to say like, oh, you know, a decent game tonight. And I was like, the Lakers are. I wouldn't say turned a corner like everyone did against the Pistons. That was silly, but like they have been stringing together better performances, better games, better effort, better ideas from the outset. But, you know, ever since DeAndre Jordan got benched for like one random play, I just, I still can't get over like what exactly what happened that was so specific to that play in instance that the other, you know, hundred fuck ups before that didn't get him benched, but that's, that's a, uh, you know, that's felt good. It felt like a dark cloud lifted from the team when Deandre moved to the bench permanently. And uh, you saw a little bit of Dwight after then he really got the hook. And now AD is up to like, I think I saw like two thirds of his minutes at center this year already. You know, it was a little bit mm-hmm. more even last time we talked. Um, and, you know, you were seeing them get dunks in that first quarter because they're getting downhill and there would be like a two man action. And then the third star would cut super hard or THT would cut and they would get really great looks at the basket. And the Grizzlies were defending them too far up is they just adjusted. They sagged back the way the rest of the teams in the league play the Lakers. And that seemed to be the only adjustment that they needed. Yeah, it's it was easy to see in the first quarter how transition really helped the Lakers. Like when you're when you're playing four on three, three on two, two on one, you're gonna score. And the Lakers scored nine points in the first four and a half minutes. They had 13 points in the first quarter in transition. That was more than a third of their entire offense. So that helps make it look a little bit better to start. Um, there was that one stretch in the first quarter where uh, I was re- I was taking notes. I know Billy Mac said he mentioned Bron has energy now, and and you know there's a, such a jump to his step. And Stu said he's getting downhill just about every time. And that was when there was the Monk Ellington Braun Mello AD lineup, which is I think about as spaced a lineup as you can possibly have on this team around Braun and AD. And offensively, I liked it. Like they were getting downhill. He like in the half court was able to get to the rim. Um, but defensively struggled a little bit and, and you can understand why with, with some of the guys involved there. And I'm seeing, I like that Deandre move moving away from him was, I think the right move for this team. They're just that Ariza piece away from being better defensively when playing small. Cause right now I think Melo is just a little bit over his head and put Ariza in for some of those minutes, you add some more size, you add some better defense. And I think that really helps big picture, make it all look better because the offense at times looks good, but the defense can't quite hold it up. I mean, it's not, we're not just in Ariza away though. 
in my opinion. It, of course, it would help. We've been talking about that for a few months and they can't seem to solve basic lineup math like, hey, maybe, you know, THT and Bradley is not the best kind of combo. Um, what has Austin Reeves done to get benched in this way? Um, effort, energy, just, you know, being in the right high IQ basketball positions, he seems to, you know, be gotten left by the wayside, which is unfortunate because we really like him. He came on our pod, you know, uh, I'm standing, but I also think he's ready to play on this team right now. And Baysmore as well. Like, you know, I know it was rough in the beginning for a little bit there, but you know, these, some of these Ellington possessions, like Monk, Monk impressed me a little bit today on defense after you had defended him. He, he showed out a little, he was getting tip rebounds and <laughs> energy and you know yep. what I mean? Like, I really think that he showed a good, some good defensive uh, plays this game, but overall like none coming back is not going to fix this. It'll help their defense and their versatility, but it's it's not going to matter if they're bad at free throws. They turn the ball over and they foul themselves on defense a lot. This is a bad formula for playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I do think both of those pieces will help. And I, like you said, is more have something to give. I believe the reason we're not seeing Bazemore as much is because, I mean, while he's a good on-ball defender and, and you know, the eye test shows that, the metrics show that, he as a ball screen defender has not been all that hot um, and, and hasn't been for a couple seasons. So that I can see as being why Vogel wants to go away from him potentially that along with like blowing layups um, if I'm trying to get in Frank Vogel's mind. And then with Reeves, he had his threes haven't quite been falling. We do think he'll be a, a better spacing option than these other guys. Um, but at the point of attack, he's been awesome in ball screens not quite as good at, you know, defending one V one. I think quickness can do a little bit to him sometimes. And he's in a tough spot. Cause he's, I mean, like the fifth tallest active player on the roster right now or something like that. Like the centers are taller than him. AD Braun and Mello are bigger than him. He's bigger than everybody else. So he's actually been used as a wing stopper this year, even though his, you know, his frame isn't quite there for that. So he's in like a weird in-between position where quickness guarding guards at the point of attack hurts him. And then guarding those bigger wing guys hurts him when he's in a wing stopper kind of role. So he's almost situational defensively, but I think offensively you get such a a nice boost from him. Um, But I do want to give uh, Avery Bradley his credit today. He, especially in that first quarter was moving well off ball. Um, He had the one nice crash. Tom's shaking his head. He had the one nice crash, uh, you know, put back on the offensive rebound. He had another play where the Lakers ran a pick and pop where AD popped to the top of the key and Avery Bradley's man stepped over to, to help as has been happening, but in the past, he would just stand there. This you time he knew Anthony it was coming Melton. and he cut to the rim. Got a nice. Congratulations. Nice Anthony Melton is very difficult to defend on ball. You know, <laughs> Tyus Jones is really shifty. I'm not trying to make fun of these guys. I think they're solid players, but I, it's not, I don't know. It's not, it's not good. Like the starters were good. Sure. But it was more about AD being at the five And THT, like actually providing some gravity cutting toward the basket, you know, which he got a couple of dunks today, like just wide open. Also, how funny, Tim, Uh, maybe we need to stop talking about people because every time we do, um, we talked about the THT leap, our last pod, and uh, he has been pretty pretty trash this last couple of weeks, Uh, even though he did. Yes, he is 21 now. We can't say he's 20 anymore. 
but uh, it's been it's been rough uh, watch for THC lately. But I mean, that's we're just kind of randomly going around this game, right? We're not going to catch up on all the games we missed. We're not going to talk about that Sacramento game. We're we're moving forward, Tim, but we're still making a lot of the same mistakes. And I just don't know how to keep saying it over and over. It just feels like, um, you know, Carmelo Anthony high post touches are just going to happen. And, and uh, we're running the clock out down 10 with like five minutes left, you know, like, like Braun quarterbacking at the top of the key, nothing's happening. And 15 seconds. Okay. You have nine seconds. Oh, there's six seconds. There's some terrible possessions out there. And yep. there's, there's just never going to install any kind of offensive system as far as set plays. Like they'll do it once and it'll be a wide open layup. And you see the same place. Than I do, Tim. You know, they ran this, you know, LeBron high post, some split cut action, kind of getting KHT cut to the rim, got another dunk. Then it's yep. just gone. What what's up with that? How do they get them to just break that formula and just do the ratio backwards? Just like, hey guys, we're trying something different this week. It's it's ridiculous. Like we see it with these individual unique set plays. And then there are also just like general actions that the team runs that like work pretty consistently. Like and, and they just use them maybe once or twice a game and that's it. Or once every other game or every three games. Like when was the last time we saw Russ, uh, Russ, uh, maybe that's what we call it. A Russ and Braun like inverted ball screen used two, three, four times in a row. It's been games well, like we see some of these ghost screens pop up every couple games. We see a split cut once every, you know, once every two weeks. It's just they there are good things the team can be doing that they're just not doing, and even though they have them in the playbook. And I the last three minutes of the game where it was I mean, the Lakers were down, but they had a chance. They had they got a couple quick buckets. And then with about three minutes left, this was the sequence of plays. There was a LeBron James, uh, Avery Bradley ghost screen, which. I mean, he's not a movement shooter. We want like shooting those shots and Braun's standing still just pounding the ball standing still. So with him not attacking, you don't have to switch. You don't have to show him recover if he's 30 feet from the rim and not moving. So that didn't work. And then there's just an ISO to end the, 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 the clock on the other end Memphis got a nice, what was it? They had a strong side ball screen at the same time as they had one of those three man weak side gaggle actions that didn't work. So they floated into a North South ball screen as a hammer flare screen was happening weak side bucket, um, just like beautiful offense, like four great attacks in like eight seconds. Um, then on the other end of the court, Russ ISO and Memphis gets the ball. They run a ball screen into a veer action where the screener then goes and sets an off ball pin down for a shooter and, you know, got a decent shot. Then the Lakers, they, they missed though. Lakers got a transition dunk on the other end. Memphis came back, ran another one of those veers in a, right after that, and then another ball screen. And then the Lakers got a Russ pull-up three with nothing happening. And then on the other end of the court, Memphis was facing some ball pressure. So they flashed a big to the top of the key, pitched it ahead to him, got a handoff for like basically a north-south ball screen. And then with Adams, with I think Avery Bradley on his back from that switch easily got an offensive rebound and a kick out for the dagger three. And that was basically the ball game. And it's like on one end of the court, go make something happen. Superstar Laker players. And on the other end of the court, it was all of these Memphis guys that like you were joking earlier, but like these aren't the same caliber of players as, as who's handling the ball for the Lakers. But because they're so, you know, co there's a co coherent offense they're so cohesive and all of those skill sets are being used in the right ways you're seeing you know some really beautiful offense from this memphis team that 
you know, they're playing a little bit above their heads with, with some of this, but it's just, it, it goes to show what that can look like if you have some organization going on consistently. The Grizzlies had 16 more shots than the Lakers tonight. Oof. That's not Those a good turnovers killer. Yeah. Turnovers are really bad. And yeah, if you do get to the free throw line, you know, the Lakers are, you know, not making them. They're 64% tonight, 11 to 17. It, mm-hmm. it hasn't been good there either. Um, so the, I thought Russ was pretty passive a little bit on offense. He was kind of just floating through the game. Didn't really have that. Uh, he had a couple threes, but other than that, he really only had one field goal uh, in 33 minutes. So he, he didn't feel, I didn't feel him in this game attacking the basket. And he had a couple of nice dump offs, but a lot of turnovers for him, him as well. And it, it was ugly throughout the night uh, after the first probably eight minutes. Cause the end of that first quarter wasn't pretty either. Lakers really just played like maybe 12 good minutes of basketball, a uh, little stretch to start the third when they came out and tied it um, looked like they knew what they were doing. LeBron's getting downhill and then they're just, you know, they're, they got out hustled again, out, out rebounded uh, from a team who's on the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah. They're younger. One of the younger teams in the league, but like just basic coaching and strategy with lesser players is very easy to topple this team over. And the fact that they don't even have the obvious pieces to be as versatile as they have been in the last years, last two years, the title year and last year, they don't even have the pieces to be versatile there to be obviously versatile. If Frank couldn't mess this up and he, but he isn't finding all the juice from these, this squeeze here, man. There's meat on this bone. Yeah, they're throwing it, can, it out. It can be better than this. I, I think we can easily get caught up in like, oh, you know, this guy was injured for this many games, or or this lineup can't work, or all of these excuses to say why we can't see what we should be able to see. Maybe the team's not going to be, you know, going out gangbusters and destroying everybody, but they should be able to be better than what we're seeing. And and that's that's, you know, at least to me is pretty obvious and looking around the league and watching other teams, a lot of them are way more organized, running better offense than Lakers are and more consistently able to generate good shots. And it's not all hero ball everywhere else from every other team. And you can play hero ball if you are able to anticipate, Hey, when we do this, the other team is going to send some extra help and play that situational basketball and be able to exploit that. That's how you keep the defense honest and are able to continue playing hero ball. If, if you can't do that, you're in trouble. And, and really basketball is about being able to take advantage of four V three situations or three V two situations and creating them by either having a, an individual that's really good at something or having a play that generates that numbers advantage or some, you know, create an advantage somehow and then be able to capitalize on it. And the Lakers struggle to first create that advantage because they're not running sets. So if it's not a superstar beating somebody 1v1, they don't create that advantage. And then they don't exploit the advantages they do create when it, the ball is out of bronze hands or AD's hands. So that that really, you know, it, it irks me. Uh, on the other end, end of things, we see Memphis, like 54% of their shots in the second quarter were at the rim, like just piling it on. And then in the third quarter, we saw such a, I was, I just pulled up the box score and I was like, wow, you know, the third quarter is really what killed the Lakers. And the Lakers only lost that quarter by like a point, I think. Yeah. 26, 25. But like you mentioned, they got out to such a run right. and then Memphis just poured it on. And what was discouraging from what I could tell was just like 
all of a sudden any semblance of organization went completely away. And it was like the players were losing their composure at the same time, the coaching staff was losing their composure and it just kind of piles on itself and snowballs and really got to a bad place before they were able to slow that down a bit. And it's like, all right, what is the Lakers offense now dribble up and Malik Monk takes a contested three with 20 seconds left on the shot clock. And like, not to pick on him, but like plays like that are just not the way you get back to like consistently strong half court offense. So it was, it was disappointing. And, you know, just that snowballing effect is something we've seen in a number of games this season. And if you can't overcome adversity, you're not going to go anywhere as a team. And this team hasn't yet displayed that. And, and that, that is, you know, discouraging for, you know, the short-term and long, long-term potential for this team. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I do want to kind of try and find some positives here. So we haven't spoken in a while and every pod we've done has pretty much been terrible, terrible, except that one THT kind of optimistic look and uh, boy, did we underestimate where he's been so far, but the season is long yet. So we'll see. AD passing. Been really impressed with this year. Still the turnovers a little bit there, but the idea is right. The timing's so much better. It's the timing, him understanding the moment that guy takes that step toward you is the moment to get rid of it. And I think he has gotten better and he's making passes that I haven't seen him make before that are pretty high level playmaking stuff to like Russ, who's kind of floating around the dunker spot and are cutting and kind of like lingering. It's still, you know, for a beat. Um, but, and, and it seems, I haven't seen any numbers, so it's totally, totally off. It seems like he's shooting less jumpers. It feels like he's trying to get to the rim a little bit more. And yes, it still feels like there, he floats around there a little bit, but I will give him like, you know, Chuck came out and all against AD. I don't think that's totally fair. I think AD has been pretty solid. And minus some of those nights where he just looks like he, is just gassed, which kind of tonight was a little bit one of those nights. Um, he was not able to um, take advantage of Xavier Tillman when Jaron Jackson went out for foul trouble. Uh, he was not able to, you know, keep Steven Adams off of the board. So he had to start Dwight in the second half to kind of give him another body there. So that mucked up the whole offensive end of things and didn't make up enough for it on the defensive end of things. Um but AD, I do not think, is a huge, terrible, huge amount of the problem. Russ, over the last 10 games, has been pretty great. Uh, outside of tonight, was his big dud. 
Um, so I don't take too much from Russ being not great tonight. I do think he's been good lately. And I think, you know, with LeBron finally starting to build some continuity, we just got to get these right lineups, these right guys in position to make these guys' lives easier. And that's just the hardest thing to still bang my head about where I'm seeing some really poor spacing, really poor just lineup construction. Um, but positive stuff, there's still positives that are coming out of this stretch here, Tim. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw, I think it was yesterday, I was tweeting out, based on how many like non-shooters are on the court with LeBron, with Russ and with AD, how often they're able to get to the rim and how well they're converting at the rim. And for all three of them, it was a very clear picture of when there's space, these guys do what we think that they're able to do. Like Braun is, you know, oh, he's getting downhill. He's got to hop to a step. You know, you can't stop him. It, and that's what we see in the numbers. When there's spacing, that's what Braun does. AD, when there's spacing out there, when those non-shooters are off the court, it's like, wow, you know, this guy's dominant. He's killing people 1v1 in the post. He's able to get to the rim. He's cutting at the basket. And he looks like the guy that Lakers fans want him to be. And when there isn't spacing on the court, it's, ah, you know what? He's, he's lazy or he's passive or he's taking too many jumpers and all of this stuff that like, to, there's a pretty clear cutoff in the film and the numbers when he looks like, you know, ja Dr. Jekyll or no, what is it? Uh, yeah. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, when he looks like, which is, is pretty clear. And it's just about like putting him in those right situations. And with Russ, same deal when they're spacing, he gets to the rim more. And I thought uh, not this game, but last game, a Frank Vogel post game quote was really telling and encouraging to me. They asked him, you know, what helped Russ get going in that third quarter? He was getting to the rim. He was scoring really well. And Vogel's answer was two, you know, there were two parts to it. There were ball screen angles. We've he, he said something about, you know, we figured out how to screen for him. You have to screen for him a little bit differently. And previously in the postgame session, he had mentioned about how defenses are trying to go under his screens and that how, how that changes how you have to screen for him, which translation set those north south ball screens where you're screening behind the defender and you can let him go downhill. The defense can't go under that. So that was one key piece of it. And then he said, getting AD at the five and getting shooters out there, adding spacing to the floor. Those two things unlock Russ. And we're, we're seeing that. And, and that's what he said in that postgame comment. I'm not as worried about Russ's performance tonight because we've seen him, bigger picture, get better game by game and week by week. And a big piece of that has to do with the lineups he's being thrown out into and how he's being utilized and I think those two key elements are on the rise. So big picture, I feel good about how, what version of Russ we'll be able to see moving forward. It's, it's so different from the beginning of the year where it was like, you know, side to side ball screen over and over the defense was going under. And then when he's off ball, it's just standing around and, you know, we've got these non-spacing lineups out there and it's just bad Russ and he's forcing stuff. And the other piece of this too, I want to mention is transition. We saw this team, for so much crap in transition this year. And I think at least in little bits and pieces, the past couple games, and then early this game, we've seen the Lakers be smarter about not, you know, forcing what's not there. Transition isn't good because you shoot early in the shot clock. Transition is good because you're getting good shots early in the shot clock. So if there aren't the good shots, no need to force it. And we've seen Russ, I think, be smarter about not, 
just forcing those mid-range pull-ups when there isn't a clear kick, kick out and he can't get to the rim. We're seeing him take a retreat dribble or two, realize that there are cross matches available and then throw little lobs to AD, not for oops, but just for him on a mismatch. We didn't see it as much tonight, but past couple games, we're seeing Russ be a smarter transition player. And that's what we've been harping on since preseason of like, this is how you make the most of him. This is how this team can become dangerous. And it's starting to move in that direction. So that's really encouraging yeah. to me. Um, and, and I think, you know, those two things for Russ have me feeling good about the direction of, of his season. No, you, you, we built up already because of how the season's built up. We built up all this AD Russ chemistry that has been really nice. Yeah. Some of those crazy angle passes I was telling you about, you know, like we're like soft, like not quite a change up like between a change up and a knuckleball. And AD is so great at catching a lot of these that he's able to, you know, come down with it, stop, pull this momentum down and go back up for an easy drop in. Um, but it hasn't built the Russ Braun AD energy symmetry, uh, all this, you know, uh, chemistry together yet it's not there yet and there's moments like tonight where i would say like they did a two-man game on the strong side and then on the weak side we had a strong cut from one of these guys and braun got a dunk or a layup and a wide open uh kick out for a three after the rotation um but that's that's a quick adjustment or two if you have the right guys you really start to sag off of these shooters um, and yeah, there's again, the adjustment, like down the list of, uh, you know, counters, like this team is just doing the same chess move over and over again. And it's, it's just easy to counter and easy to, mm-hmm. we're, we're a long way away from being able to throw a couple different looks out and really, you know, change up our play style within these four different unique lineups because they're still finding the lineups. That's what's so frustrating. Yeah. If you were to scout the Lakers and have to present to your team on like, here's what they do. Here's what we should be prepared to defend. It's, it's like hard to say because they do like a little bit of this one day and a little bit of that another day. And they don't know what they're good at and they don't know. And, and to me, this is like, you know, have some specific actions or concepts. They have a handful that they're really solid at. They just don't use them consistently. Um, like when bronze at the five, are we going to be a bronze facilitate at the high post with off screen action and Braun operating in ghost screens? And, you know, is that what you're going to do when you have AD and Russ out there? Are you going to use North South ball screens? Are you going to, you know, get those AD post-ups going with Russ setting flare screens weak side for shooters? Like how, what are the like, pick like, you know, three things for every major lineup grouping from a skill set standpoint. It has to, it doesn't have to be the same guys. Like you can run the same types of stuff with Monk out there as you can with Ellington um, or with Dwight out there as, as you can with DeAndre. So like the types of lineups you construct, how, you know, what style of play do we want to have? It, it can't just be, we want to attack the rim and play fast. That's not, I mean, that's, that's when coach speak, that's what we say. That's what you say to the media, but you have to have a more organized, like, this is how we're going to get to those results. Um, Cause once this team gets in the half court, it's, it's not quite there. One thing I did notice early in this game, when the team did post up, there were, let me see my notes, 
four times AD posted up where the Lakers like did something smart <laughs> in the situations. It was AD facing some extra help. And I think you mentioned it earlier, like THT flashing to the middle of the paint. Um, when you're seeing, uh, you know, AD get the ball a little bit outside the paint along, you know, more along the baseline and the defense has basically like a four corners defense going on with two defenders at the elbows, two at the blocks and one guy on AD, the opening there is right in the middle of the paint. And when you've got 10 eyeballs defensively looking at AD, you can cut into that middle of the paint. And so we saw Russ do it. We saw THT do it. Sometimes they did it from the perimeter. Sometimes they did it from the dunker spot. And, and putting a guard in the dunker spot is something we've seen the Lakers do more frequently. There are pros to that. There are cons to that. Um, when you're driving downhill and there's a guard in the dunker spot, their defender is going to be the natural low man defender. He is the guy closest to the baseline in a help position. So you're choosing, I want a bad rim protector to be your rim protection. So that benefits the, the on-ball initial drive. But if they are able to rotate and stop you, then you're dumping it off to a guard instead of a big man. So, you know, naturally it's going to be a little bit less effective. Um, so there are some pros, some cons. We've seen them use it pretty well, but those flashes to the middle have been smart. We saw like THT setting pin and flare screens a couple times. Unfortunately, they were for uh, Russell Westbrook. So it's like, we're going to set a screen for a non-shooter. Uh, not ideal, but still the right ideas. And that is another little thing that's encouraging to me because we saw some, you know, it was clearly a point of emphasis for the Lakers in the first quarter from what I could tell. And then they kind of went away from their, their post-up offense, even though later in that quarter, 80 was able to go to work just one V one because the Lakers had put in that work earlier in the quarter of showing the defense, here's what we're going to do to you. If you send extra help. And that's all it really takes. It's the, the, the formula with superstars is be good at something. So 80 post-ups, Force the defense to have to send extra help, which they did, beat the hell out of it a couple times, which they did. And then they're going to back away and say, all right, fine, AD beat me one on one. And I'm okay with that. Like, I, I think we're cool with that as Lakers fans. So that needs to be this, the circle of life for, for these LeBron attacks, the Russ attacks, the AD post ups. And when you just kind of go away with, get, get away from it or don't use those counters, you're just fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. I mean, Ultimately, they're, they're just really working around the idea that they want to score as many points as possible in transition and allow the, it's all like this negative feedback cycle that just keeps everything keeps feeding into itself of the turnovers, take away your transition points, give the team the uh, more points and better opportunities. And you struggling in the half court makes you want to throw that long pass to AD a little bit more because gosh, we've been, you know, getting bad shots up last four times down in the half court. So let me try this, you know, into turnovers into it starts all over again, man. It's it, because it's this team playing a little too fast sometimes trying to be aggressive in those ways and not being smart enough to allow those advantages to be advantages and take you out to this whole negative spiral. It's really like, I, I'm not trying to like, it's not like Russian roulette or anything. It's more like there's three bullets in. That's just crazy. This is suicide <laughs> yeah. at that point. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to take my chances. It's well, flip a coin. Like let's get crazy. You know what I mean? And this would, that's a lot of these 
these shots, plays, games feel like just a coin flip, like chaos um, of we just maybe if we just keep, you know, north south ball screen. Uh, oh, you didn't figure it out. All right. We won by four. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's. Yeah, it's 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 got to get better. I I made the analogy earlier on Twitter that like the Lakers going into tonight, they were like I don't know, like half a game out of fourth place or something like that. But it, it, they've done it on like the easiest strength of schedule, and they've got the hardest strength of schedule left. And it was like uh, in track and field, you know, in like the four hundred, they they line everybody up. You have your own lane. You don't all start at the same point because you run less distance on the inside than you do on the outside, just naturally. Um, if you're going the same speed. So the people starting on the outside start a little bit ahead. There's a stagger and the Lakers started on the very outside. They've got the best stagger. They played the easiest schedule. They, by, you know, by this point in the season, they should be in really good shape, but they've already let four teams catch them. I don't know what it is now. It might be five, might be six <laughs> by like the end of the first hundred meters. And it's like, okay, you know, big picture, your ranking right now isn't awful, but you did it, you know, on the easiest portion of this, you stumbled a couple times and you're really going to pay for it down the road when you have three, you know, you have to round that other corner, which is, you know, a further distance for you than it is for other people. Um, so they've dug themselves a hole that isn't quite visible yet. Um, and they just really have to start playing better. And I think we're starting to see some of those habits. I think we're starting to see some of those lineup choices being made. And I do, I truly do think Ariza and Nunback will help this team a good bit in sure. small ways, but in ways that really help things click into place. Suddenly guys aren't out of position defensively. Suddenly guys aren't out of role offensively. And I think that should really help, help the team out. I'm interested to see how they handle the rotation because in, in just minutes in general, because that's something we've been frustrated about. Um, but we've seen guys make cases for themselves. And and one dude I do want to shout out tonight. He was okay. Um, Malik Monk has defensively yeah. impressed me. And this isn't, I'm not here to say it's he's a great. lockdown defender, but he's been really solid rotating, which has been a weakness of a lot of guys. And he's been okay as an off ball, like chaser around screens. And he's been better on ball than he has been in previous years. And, and we have data to look at this at B-Ball Index. And he's gone from like atrocious to like below average. And Ellington went from atrocious to like average. And that player development right there is a testament to Frank Vogel and his staff and what they're getting out of these guys. And it's just those, those little things. Like It's not like, oh, he's suddenly really good at this, but he's not awful at it. And you don't just go pick on him over and over again and like get great results. So those little things make me feel good about the process the team has. And it's allowing him to be put in positions where he's, he's out in these lineups that like last year, last year's Malik Monk on this year's team, you couldn't play in some of these lineups in the positions he's been put in. And this, this game was maybe a little bit much. They put him at the point of attack guarding like starter guys. And we can, you know, we can debate how good these Memphis players are, but it's, it was still quite a bit to ask of him. And I think it made him look a little bit worse than he has over the rest of the year. And, and, you know, takes away from the fact that he's had a pretty solid defensive season, all things considered. All right, Tim, I want to ask you a question before we go and close this out really quick. This is crazy. Okay. But we haven't potted in a while and, you know, Houston is on a seven game win streak now, but before that there was already talks of Steven Silas being on the hot seat. And I was like, Ooh, and so it got me to thinking in, in like, this is my version of the Chris Maddox tweet. Okay. Who is the best offensive coordinator you could trade Taylor Horton Tucker for? 
<laughs> um, I just I just texted you something about the Houston situation that I, I can't really share, but might explain the change in results. Um, uh, that's an interesting. I would. Tra- I mean, I don't think I'd trade THT for an offensive coordinator, but like, no, you I have get, to. Like, I'm saying you have to, uh, and you have to have give to. me a reasonable like uh, person who would come back. I mean, David Adelman, I, I made this case during the okay. offseason. I'm going to go. take the the offensive coordinator. Well, actually, oh, geez, this is tough because I think Kevin Young's really good as well. Who's that? Um, he is the Phoenix Suns offensive coordinator. And the Phoenix okay. Suns just slice and dice teams. They are really, really solid. They just constantly like 70, 80 percent of their offensive possessions. They're actively doing something to attack what you're doing defensively. And uh, David Adelman, he's Denver's offensive coordinator. They're pretty similar. Um, I would say, I mean, it depends what you're looking for. If you want to have more of a pick and roll centric game, Kevin Young with the Suns would be the guy. If you want more of a, like, we're going to post Braun up and we're going to post AD up either in the low post or high post and operate around that, David Adelman in Denver is your dude. And they've got all of the counters built out really well. Like David Adelman with this roster would make AD look as close to like a top 10 player as you could possibly make him look this year as he is even without his jumper falling. Um, If you were to go the Kevin Young route, Russ is going to look awesome. You're going to see improved playmaking from guys like Malik Monk, um, Kendrick Nunn. Once he's playing, you're going to see tons and tons of just like open lobs for AD and Dwight and DeAndre or whoever those big men are. And so, so a couple different options to make certain types of players look better. Um, but you can't go wrong either way. I can dream. Call it in. Phone it into the league. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. All right, man. Anything else you want to leave us on? I know you opened the show, so it's only right you close it too. Uh, yeah, I know. I just kind of ranted a little and, and tried to buy some time. I'd say this game that looked bad, there were a lot of things I didn't like about it. I don't think the team particularly finished well, but I'm seeing signs of life in, in areas that we're concerned about and they've been playing better and we're seeing that translate to individual play and we're approaching yeah. a point where I think Ariza should be back pretty soon. Like I would expect him back in the next week, two weeks at the most, hopefully none. I don't think we're going to get back before like February. Um, but Ariza back, I think helps make the small ball Lakers look better defensively. And I think that can make a big difference. Cause when you look at this team over the past, like what five or six games, their offense has been much better and their offense without Dwight or Deandre has been awesome. And the defense without, you know, those room protectors out there with like Braun as center has been, you know, not fantastic. And adding someone like Ariza, I think really helps with that specific element. So if you can get, you know, you've got your Dwight lineups uh, once or twice a game, you've got your 80 at center lineups, a bunch, and then you've got your Braun at center lineups that just maybe for five minutes a game for like half the third quarter or something can just kick ass. Um, and be good enough defensively, I think that can make a pretty big difference for this team. So I, I'm keeping an eye out for that. I'm excited about that. And, and I'm, I'm happy to be back, dude. I'm excited to get some pods up in these next couple of days. Yeah, it's man. We, uh, we popped on spaces tonight. We're going to release this as a pod later as well. So if you didn't catch all of the conversation in spaces, you will be able to later. Uh, but we'll be back soon, man. We just wanted to hop. Uh, 
after this terrible game, but you know, we'll be back soon. Y'all appreciate you. Talk to you later.